Let's see. Wow! Wow! Ah, found my shaker again. Found my shaker of salt. <laughs> Welcome. You made it to another Scrambling University. Oh, that fucking tree is great. I love that matrix. Look at that thing. That looks like the inside of like a honeycomb, kind of, when you zoom out on it and go the whole tree. Man, that'd be a great digi-pattern. Screenshot that thing. All right, well, you've made it to another Scrambling University. Uh, today, I think it's the 15th, because I was up late last night rolling fucking perfectos. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Uh, I forgot about the newsletter until like 11 o'clock, and then I was like, fuck, it's got to go out on the automated. And then it reminded me like, ah, a couple of billing adjustments I didn't fucking do either. But I caught them before it all automated itself, so. Da, da, da. Oh, happy day yeah that uh, heart attack when you forget the newsletter is uh that's a great one. Oh shit what's the date today well just like i was trying to get everything else done i was like i got it i got it i've been thinking about it i just didn't do it and like fuck time's up <laughs> oh fuck uh okay i tested the audio so we are not going to have tech time uh i got uh actually i grabbed different phones so we can run on a whole other thing uh so uh, wait see. you I have more than one phone well these old iphones that i get for like 89 dollars then when the screens get to uh well this screen's actually pretty intact this one's driving the lights uh yeah i got piles of old iphones <laughs> if you uh have you they ever come in handy Alfred? for sure have you ever heard of an app called Alfred? Hitchcock? No, no. It's a security app. So it's just an app that turns on the phone and turns into a security camera. So you can leave like a phone everywhere around your house because everyone's used to seeing phones laying fucking everywhere. Right? But they're all on and feeding up to the cloud. So I can look at like all 12 cameras any fucking time. And you can get old Android phones that'll just run off your Wi-Fi for like brand new delivered Amazon, $18. <laughs> so you could go get security cameras or you could just use $18 fucking phones. And then every time they update the software, they update themselves. And the like night vision on the free shit has gotten to be like where these cameras can see across the street in pitch black and... They're not security. They're just cell phones. But the software, right? The camera's the camera's the camera. It's the software, you know, behind it. There's getting right. whatever. So you you buy a security system. They don't keep updating. They don't they don't send updates to all that shit every three weeks. But the app people do, right? And as soon as they figure out value for value, somebody else will do that better. Because I would gladly pay those guys, but you know, not a subscription to a fucking Visa card, right? <laughs> Oh, oh, hey, podcaster. So if you tuned in for Zen Talk, you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> Pretty Zen talking about keeping your shit safe. Keeping your shit safe. That's part of it. Uh, Josh says he uses Alfred at the deer shop. Yeah, I found it a long time ago. On It was on like CNET or whatever review. It was like, here's a cheaper Kim Commando. Maybe remember when Kim Commando was on Spearco? No. I think two shows. I want to I say remember, she, I remember listening to Kim Commando a long time ago. I want to say she came on one time and I want to say he kind of like tried to backfeed her some stuff and then it just radio silence. <laughs> her yeah. her ABC handlers or whatever were probably like, "Oh Jesus Christ, you can't fucking be around people that are real." Right, right. They don't got nannies and limos that will never do. <laughs> <laughs> holy shit did okay so did you read chapter two yeah oh good okay well let's just fucking kick this thing off it uh okay basically quick overview chapter two uh starts off at like lunchtime on their first day they're rolling out they talk about like motorcycle-y shit uh at first um and uh, you get a deep understanding of why he gives a fuck about his machine um I, towards I relate with him. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, and, that opened up so much. And every and everybody that I just uh, left as coworkers, I relate to them as the guys in the shop. So, oh, that's very, funny. Very... Your new shop? Okay, okay, okay. We gotta listen to it. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Oh fucking a! Oh yeah, you're the shop you just left. Now that you say that, I just can't even. <laughs> Fucking monkeys and wrenches. Here we go. Chapter two. <laughs> um, we stopped for rests and lunch, exchanged small talk, and settled down to the long ride. The beginning fatigue of afternoon balances the excitement of the first day, and we move steadily, not fast, not slow. We have picked up a southwest side wind, and the cycle cants into the gusts, seemingly by itself, to counter their effect. Lately, there's been a sense of something peculiar about this road. Apprehension about something, as if we were being watched or followed. But there is not a car anywhere ahead, and in the mirror are only John and Sylvia, that's why I asked you about the ghost last time. Like, did he start making any reference to the ghost, right? And that's the only reference in all of chapter two, I think, right? And that's it. He just leaves it at that. Yep. Way behind. We are not in the Dakotas yet, but the broad fields show we are getting nearer. Some of them are blue with flax blossoms moving in long waves i'm not like used to his writing style ocean. so like trying to read the sweep it of the hills style. is greater than before and they now dominate everything else except the sky which remains wider farmhouses in the distance are so small we can hardly see them the land is beginning to open up there is no one place or sharp line where the central plains end and the Great Plains begin. It's a gradual change like this that catches you unawares as you were sailing out from a choppy coastal harbor. Notice that the waves had taken on a deep swell and turn back to see that you were out of sight of land. There are fewer trees here and suddenly I am aware they are no longer native. They have been brought here and planted around the houses and between the fields in rows to break up the wind. But where they haven't been planted, there is no underbrush, no second growth saplings, only grass. Some Right, no second growth saplings. That's how you know you're on the fucking plains, right? Where there's some shit spewing out seeds. They won't fucking grow. <laughs> the trees were brought in and they can't repopulate because it's not the right environment. Right. Because they planted just the windbreaks, right? They weren't planting like larger, denser forests to like try to push a forest in. They were only trying to like put up a fucking thing to put down a row crop. <laughs> yeah, we, we did it here for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's what you do, right? That was when my mom, when I started permaculture, she's like, you're not a farmer. Like, where's the straight rows? <laughs> well, we did it here to keep the wind off the house, so. Right, you have to. People don't get the fucking planes if you haven't been out there. It doesn't. That was the thing about Float Fest. I mean, kept me. I made that note to myself. <laughs> note going back to float. Wind doesn't stop. Like, note two was, <laughs> oh, really? And note three was, fucking believe it. <laughs> Because it just don't want again. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, the planes win. Jesus. Okay, here we go. Beads, but mostly grass. This is grassland now. We are on the prairie. I have a feeling none of us fully understands what four days on this prairie in July will be like. Memories of car trips across them are always of flatness and great emptiness as far as you can see. Extreme monotony and boredom as you drive for hour after hour, getting nowhere, wondering how long this is going to last without a turn in the road, without a change in the land, going on and on to the horizon. John was worried Sylvia 
would not be up to the discomfort of this and planned to have her fly to Billings, Montana. But Sylvia and I both talked him out of it. I argue that the physical discomfort is important only when the mood is wrong. Then you fasten on to whatever thing is uncomfortable and call that the cause. But if the mood is right, then the physical discomfort doesn't mean much. And when thinking about Sylvia's mood and feeling, wow, that's like you not going to the fucking doctor, right? They're like, you're so fucking yeah. like i'll get to that torn up thumb later <laughs> well I was, I was thinking about that when i was reading it is like when uh like when you're miserable and you got a headache it hurts a hell of a lot more than when you're in a good mood Fuck yeah oh god damn when i'm out clearing land i'll miss with the machete and fucking slice my leg i, I don't even stop to like fuck with i got that real bleed on my pants for a while and then it'll stop and and bugging all over, right? And if you're at home and send them the TV and the dog scratches you, oh, fuck, it hurts like a motherfucker and you're all on it. <laughs> focus, right? Josh and I were talking about that yesterday. Like, focus is a crazy, amazing thing. Oh, fuck. Okay, Things. I couldn't see her complaining. Also, to arrive in the Rocky Mountains by plane would be to see them in one kind of context as pretty scenery, but to arrive after days of hard travel across the prairies would be to see them in another way, as a goal, a promised land. If John and I and Chris arrived with this feeling and Sylvia arrived seeing them as nice and pretty there would be more disharmony among us than we would get from the heat and monotony of the Dakotas. Anyway, I like to talk to her, and I'm thinking of myself, too, <laughs> in my mind. But that's so true. Fuck, you can't be in the middle of a road trip, and then, like, some fluffer comes flying in and drops it, and then it's, like, the whole, like... You've been going for three days. You're like a loose of fucking dating. You haven't eaten. You've been well, it's, it's like, it, it reminds me of Sturgis where uh, a lot of the guys will ride out and a lot of them will trailer their bikes out. And right. then they all jump on like right before you get there. Yeah, yeah. I'll meet you at that one airport like 80 miles out. Like, oh, I, yeah. I, got, I got buddies that used to ride out to the Harley Festival in Milwaukee. Oh, and right. It was like every five years or something. Um, and they dried out from New York and they were all, they were, oh, they're VA employees, but there were a bunch of state troopers, uh, that would all get together. So they'd be just cruising and they get pulled over in like Ohio and they'd all be like, yeah, we're all New York state troopers. Oh, have a good trip. Oh, oh, oh we thought you were the other gang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Think about like going to Sturgis. Flying in, hopping on your fucking bike that's been trailered to the airport, eighty miles oh, away, or driving all the way out. Oh, you know, you know, uh, you know, we fest out in Minnesota, a big ass country concert every year. Yeah, they, uh, uh, Corey's parents had a cabin up close there. We used to go every year. They give us tickets for Christmas and fuck Toby Keith at Jackal, fucking. Sturgis was the weekend before, and he comes, he rolls out on stage on his bike. I was like, oh, I just rode in from Sturgis. Yeah, we had been going to the pisser. We were standing over by the fence by the where the fucking tour buses sit. We saw him roll the fucker out of his tour bus trailer that's behind it, and he jumps on. He didn't even ride it up to the stage. So I was going to say, they let him ride that fucker up a stage, man. You imagine that just bonk off. Wow. <laughs> They get all set for him. Okay, we're going to pull you up by the string. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. It's so funny. Don't let us do anything. Oh, when I look at these fields, oh. I say to her, see, see, and I think she does. I will later. She will see and feel a thing about these prairies. <laughs> I have given up Telegram to others about it. A thing that exists here because everything else does not and can be noticed because other things are absent. She seems so depressed sometimes by the monotony and boredom of her city life 
I thought maybe in this endless grass and wind, she would see a thing that sometimes comes when monotony and boredom are accepted. It's here, but I have no names for it. Now on the horizon, I see something else I don't think. All right, what do you think? When monotony and boredom are accepted? You just go along to get along. Part of roasting is that they're like 12 to 15 minute cycles, and I can do all the bagging and tagging in like three minutes. So then I got nine minutes to just fucking sit there and watch. Software upgrades. Yeah, like you, once you push the button, other than just watch to see that it's moving, you don't have, doesn't take consciousness. Like, so you have to be okay with just fucking sitting there. Or figure out something else to do in the meantime. (laughs) More productive. Yeah, yeah, but just sitting there. Well, yeah, you can think about shit. Uh, Yeah, I always put on music, right? Uh, Oh, yeah, he comes. Oh, yeah, that's okay. Hold on. That's by the shop talk. Boom. That's coming. Far off to the southwest, you can see it only from the top of this hill. The sky has a dark edge. Storm coming. That may be what has been bothering me. Deliberately shutting it out of mind, but knowing all along that with this humidity and wind, it was more than likely. It's too bad on the first day, but as I said before, on a cycle, you're in the scene, not just watching it. And storms are definitely part of it. If it's just thunderheads or broken line squalls, you can try to ride around them. But this one isn't. That long, dark streak without any preceding cirrus clouds in is a cold front. Cold fronts are violent, and when they are from the southwest, they are most violent. Often, they contain tornadoes. When they come, it's best to just hold up and let them pass over. They don't last long, and the cool air behind them makes good riding. Warm fronts are the worst. They can last for days. I remember Chris and I were on a trip to Canada a few years ago. We got about 130 miles and we were caught in a warm front, of which we had plenty of warning, but which we didn't understand. The whole experience was kind of dumb and sad. We were on a little six and one half horsepower cycle, way overloaded with luggage and way underloaded with common sense. The machine could only do about 45 miles per hour wide open against a moderate headwind. It was no touring bike. We reached a large lake in the North Woods the first night and tented amid rainstorms that lasted all night long. I forgot to dig a trench around the tent. Then about two in the morning, a stream of water came in and soaked both sleeping bags. The next morning, we were soggy and depressed and hadn't much slept. But I thought we just kept riding the rain would let up after a while no such luck by 10 o'clock the sky was so dark all the cars had their headlights on and then it really came down (coughs) we were wearing the ponchos which had served as a tent the night before now they spread out like sails and slowed our speed to 30 miles an hour wide open the water on the road became two inches deep lightning bolts crashing down all around us. I remember a woman's face looking astonished at us from a window of a passing car, wondering what in earth we were doing on a motorcycle in this weather. I'm sure I couldn't have told her. The cycle slowed down to 25, then 20. Then it started missing, coughing, popping, sputtering, barely moving at five or six miles an hour. We found an old rundown filling station by some cut over timberland and pulled in. At the time, like John, I hadn't bothered to learn much about motorcycle maintenance. I remember holding my poncho over my head and keeping the rain from the tank and rocking the cycle between my legs. 
gas seemed to be sloshing around inside. I looked at the plugs and looked at the points and looked at the carburetor then pumped the Kickstarter until I was exhausted. We went into the filling station, which was also a combination beer joint and restaurant that had a meal of burned up steak. Then I went back out and tried again. Chris kept asking questions that started to anger me because he didn't see how serious it was. Finally, I saw it was no use, gave up, and my anger on him disappeared. I explained to him as carefully as I could that it was all over. We weren't going to anywhere by cycle on this vacation. Chris suggested things to do like check the gas, which I had done, and find a mechanic. But there weren't any mechanics. Just cut over pines and brush and rain. I sat in the grass with him at the shoulder of the road, defeated, staring into the trees and underbrush. I answered all Chris's questions patiently, and in time they became fewer and fewer. And then Chris finally understood that our cycle trip was really over and began to cry. He was eight then, I think. We hitchhiked back to our city and rented a trailer to put it on our car and came up and got the cycle and hauled it back to our own city and then started out all over again by car. But it wasn't the same, and we didn't really enjoy ourselves much. Two weeks after the vacation was over, one evening after work, I removed the carburetor to see what was wrong, but still couldn't find anything. To clean off the grease before replacing it, I turned the stopcock on the tank for a little gas. Nothing came out. The tank was out of gas. I couldn't believe it. I can still hardly believe it. I had kicked myself mentally a hundred times for that stupidity. Then don't think I'll ever really finally get over it. Evidently, what I saw sloshing around the gas in the reserve tank, which I had never turned on, I didn't check it carefully because I assumed the rain had caused the engine failure. I didn't understand then how foolish quick assumptions like that are. Now we are on a 28-horse machine, and I take the maintenance of it very seriously. All of a sudden, John passes me. <laughs> it's so funny. Fucking, okay, so Chris, uh, Chris Pratt? He was the guy who gave that talk about cleaning out all of his shit in Ohio and moving to uh, at Jack's. Yep. He was the one who taught the uh, anything carburetor class. Uh, yeah, he like he like told me three things like dick, 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 anything that fucking moves with the carburetor. Like here's the flow, right? And like fuel. <laughs> Do you got some? Is it getting to the fucking carb, right? <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever? Did you ever have a bike? Uh, I messed around with them, but nothing serious. I just I had a little Honda Rebel 250. So I bought it for 500. I literally did nothing ever the entire fucking minute. Never, ever, never changed the oil. Nothing. I dropped it on a side once. I wrapped the tail thing with duct tape. That was it. <laughs> I sold it for the same fucking 500. I bought it for with like 25,000 miles on it. Oh my god. <laughs> but, yeah, reserve tank. Like you can run it with it always on reserve, right? So everything will flow through everything. Or run it on regular and there's a little like uh there's like a pocket in the gas tank. So it's always in there but it's separated from it's a different downline. It's a different downhole. Right. So when he said, he, remember how he said he was sloshing it around in the, in the beginning when I first read the book, I'm like, well, dude, you fucking flip the reserve switch and rock on. <laughs> but you got to know it's fucking there, which means you got right. to know your machine, right? Mm -hmm. I got to know your fucking machine. Oh, my God. So, yeah, like, I don't know my electric car for dick. <laughs> uh, but, man. The beast that I knew was my 42-foot Catalina sailboat. I knew every fucking thing. 
I bought it off a dude in the river in Portland and had to have a sea captain sail it back for insurance reasons. I fucking sailed it back. I put every new piece of wire in that fucking thing. I ripped all the every instrument there was and upgraded all like digital electronics, autopilot. I fucking installed it all. I read every page, every fucking manual. <laughs> there wasn't anything I couldn't fix out there. With some fucking duct tape and pliers rolling around and like some shit we could find on the beach. So like, yeah, there's a when he starts getting into like knowing a machine. <laughs> There's like that's like my trailer right now. Yeah, you built that fucking thing. Every single thing in there. There's nothing that could break. You can't be like, oh yeah. Well, you yeah, know. all the all the major systems. I either I either modified or replaced all the major systems. So yeah, it doesn't scare you. There's like nothing. You're like, yeah, it could be a pain in the fucking ass, but you know how to fix it. Oh, I'm sure it will be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it should break, oh. but you know. It's not like, oh, God, I will never be able to. I'll be stranded. Like, no, no. It's just a, like inconvenience or it's whatever. Deferred maintenance <laughs> right. or random maintenance that you got to fucking do randomly because that's the shit. <laughs> okay, on with the random maintenance. Oh, my God. If you're a mechanic, you may want to pull over or get yourself out of dangerous equipment zone because you might like, just be like horrified at the next part and cut your foot off if you're not paying attention. So. Here you go. Ohm <coughs> down. Signaling a stop. We slow down and look for a place to pull off the gravelly shoulder. The edge of the concrete is sharp and the gravel is loose. And I am not a bit fond of this maneuver. Chris asks, why are we stopping? I think we missed our turn back there, John says. I look back and see nothing. I didn't see any sign, I say. John shakes his head. Big as a barn door. Really? He and Sylvia both nod. He leans over, studies my map, and points to where the turn was, and then to a freeway overpass beyond it. We've already crossed this freeway, he says. I see he is right. Embarrassing. Go back or go ahead, I ask. He thinks about it. Well, I guess there's no real reason to go back. All right, let's just go ahead. We'll get there one way or another. And now tagging along behind them, I think, why should I do a thing like that? I hardly noticed the freeway. And just now, I forgot to tell them about the storm. Things are getting a little unsettling. The storm cloud bank is larger now, but it is not moving as fast as I thought it would. That's not so good. When they come in fast, they leave fast. When they come in slow like this, you can get stuck for quite a time. I remove a glove with my teeth, reach down and feel the aluminum side cover of the engine. The temperature is fine. Too warm to leave my hand there. Not so hot I get burned. Nothing wrong there. On an air-cooled engine like this, extreme overheating can cause a seizure. This machine has had one. In fact, three of them. I check it from time to time the same way I would check a patient who has had a heart attack, even though it seems cured. In a seizure, the pistons expand from too much heat, becoming too big for the walls of the cylinders, seize them, melt to them sometimes, and lock the engine and rear wheel and start the whole cycle into a skid. The first time this one seized, my head was pitched over the front wheel and my passenger was almost on top of me. At about 30, it freed up again and started to run, but I pulled off the road and stopped to see what was wrong. All my passenger could think to say was, what did you do that for? I shrugged and was puzzled as he was and stood there with the cars whizzing by, just staring. The engine was so hot, the air around it shimmered as we could feel the heat radiate. When I put my wet finger on it, it sizzled like a hot iron. We rode home, slowly, with a new sound, a slap that meant the pistons no longer fit and an overhaul was needed. I took this machine into a shop because I thought it wasn't important enough to justify getting into myself, having to learn all the complicated details and maybe having to order parts and special tools and all that time-dragging stuff. 
when I could get someone else to do it in less time. Sort of John's attitude. The shop was a different scene from the ones I'd remembered. The mechanics who had all seemed like ancient veterans now looked like children. The radio was going full blast. They were clowning around, talking, and seemed not to notice me. When one of them finally came over, he barely listened to the piston slap before saying, Oh yeah, tappets. I should have known what was coming. Two weeks later, I paid their bill for $140, rode the cycle carefully at varying low speeds to wear it in, and then after 1,000 miles, opened it up. At about 75, it seized again and freed at 30. The same as before. When I brought it back, they accused me of not breaking it in properly. But after much argument, agreed to look into it. They overhauled it again, and this time took it out themselves for a high-speed road test. It seized on them this time. After the third overhaul, two months later, they replaced the cylinders, put in oversized main carburetor jets, retarded the timing to make it run as coolly as possible, and told me, don't run it fast. It was covered with grease and did not start. I found the plugs were disconnected, connected them. Just use the back half of your trailer. <laughs> and now there was a tappet noise. that had They hadn't adjusted them. I pointed this out, and the kid came with an open-ended adjustable wrench, set wrong, and swiftly rounded both of the sheet metal tappet covers, ruining both of them. I hope we've got some more of those in stock, he said. I nodded. He brought out a hammer and cold chisel and started to pound them loose. The chisel punched through the aluminum cover, and I could see he was pounding the chisel right into the engine head. On the next blow, he missed the chisel completely and struck the head with the hammer, breaking off a portion of two of the cooling fins. Just stop, I said politely, feeling this politely. was a bad dream. I said that Just last week with the Chirac. And I'll take it the way it is. I got out of there as fast as possible. Noisy tappets, shop tappet covers, greasy machine, down the road, and then felt a bad vibration at speeds over 20. At the curb, I discovered two of the four engine mounting bolts were missing, and a nut was missing from the floor. The whole engine was hanging on by only one bolt. The overhead cam chain tensioner bolt was also missing, meaning it would have been hopeless to try to adjust the tappets anyway. Nightmare. The thought of John putting his BMW into the hands of one of those people is something I have never brought up with him. Maybe I should. I found the... <laughs> it's the funniest fucking thing ever. You get the Mercedes, right? So you can throw the keys and what, like, and then that's what happens when you're not there, right? And then they fucking spit shine your ass as they bring it around from the back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did we fill oh, that right yeah. all the way up? Yeah, fuck it. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> well, and I mean, it's like the reason why every single job I went to, even even if it had been diagnosed before, I had to start from zero because the numb nuts that diagnosed it probably missed all the easy shit that it actually was. Right. You have to assume the job you're there for is not even the fucking job you're there for. Like, well, I don't... Yeah, we always, we always scream to be able to just go back to our calls. Like, if it needed a, a return trip to the, to the site that they sent us and only us, and everybody agreed, like... I don't need somebody to go and and have to redo all my work when I've already started. Or I don't want to go and have to try to figure out if they actually knew what they were doing when they started. Fuck yeah. Yeah, diagnostics and shit. And just, god damn. Yeah, just, oh, giving a fuck at all. Like, my boat, right? I was a maintainer. I was the fucking one. I wasn't going to round in and off because I was going to be the one that was going to have to deal with it in the fucking 20-foot waves while shit's going down. Always put anti-seize on every fucking bolt. Always, always greased everything because you were probably going to be the one that went back to, when it was the fucking 2 in the morning and negative 20. Yeah, like there's mission critical, like around the fucking house, right? And well, that's a difference in maintenance too, right? Levels of doing it, 
like around here, I got buckets and nuts. And I'm like, whatever, I'll fucking throw any screw in anything because there's just five steps away. I got a drill with a driver sitting there. I'm ready to go. <laughs> you know, and but then there's like at sea and then the whole on a motorcycle, you're kind of a fucking flow. He'll, he gets into the pack, what he packs for the motorcycle and all that shit later. But yeah, the being an island out there, like you are your first responder, you're stuck wherever yeah. you're fucking stuck when she's stuck. Yeah, we were, we were planning on, you know, when we first started this, like boondocking and some of those BLM lands, like on the way out to see you, we drove four miles back into this place on a dirt road that there was no cell signal. So if something went sideways back there, I either got to make it four miles to the road and then God knows when I would see a, a car or somebody else. And it was probably another 15 miles to a town. Yeah. Can you just drive me three miles so I can get a fucking signal so I can call somebody? <laughs> or I yeah. got I to know how to fix it without the Internet, without, right. you know, without looking it up and no parts, only what I have with me, tools and parts wise. Right, that's part of the like being aware of like where you're going. Like, and I'm cool with it, and I was comfortable with it because I I made sure I know how everything works. So if there is a possible way to make it work in the short term, I know it. <laughs> right, and that's okay. So I was thinking about this the other day. It because of the search and rescue folks, right, loving to do their shit, right, and go rescue people and being all on it <laughs> more doofuses go way deep when they have no business goes they don't understand the equipment they don't I can't read the side i don't know what they're doing back there right and then now rei is selling all these new pinger beakers like bing, bing, bing. Oh, i can just trump anywhere when you get mowed down when we'll just fucking fly the chopper in and grab you like they don't like finish the sentence. By the way, that's gonna be a ten thousand dollar bill to start. Oh right. <laughs> well, and then they get lucky four times, and they go out on the fifth, and they're like, "Oh, I can go way deep. I go out for like two weeks. I got lucky for three weekends in a row. Now I'm gonna go out for two weeks." Right, and that's like okay. So John riding his Beamer. I think yeah, maybe they get into it here in a little bit, but it's the same thing. If he's out on the fucking island of his bike and in the middle of fuckland, and it goes wrong. He's got to like whip out his checking account and spend his way home. Because <laughs> the bike ain't going to get him there. It's going to have to be trailered. Because right. there are all no BMW shops in the middle of fucking Wyoming. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay, okay, here we go. Here we go. I think we're near the end later. Waiting to happen again. It was a little 25 cent pin in the internal oil delivery system that had been sheared and was preventing oil from reaching the head at high speeds. The question why comes back again and again and has become a major reason for wanting to deliver this Chattaqua. Why did they butcher it so? Because they want it out These of the shop. These were not people running away from technology like John and Sylvia. These were the technologists themselves. They sat down to do a job and they performed it like chimpanzees. Nothing personal in it. No curiosity. There was no obvious reason for it. And no I attention to detail. Into that shop, that wow, nightmare place, to try wow. to remember anything that could have been the cause. The radio was a clue. You can't really think hard about what you're doing and listen to the radio at the same time. Maybe they just didn't see their job as having anything to do with hard He's thought. not a kid of the 80s. Just wrench twiddling. If you can twiddle wrenches while listening to the radio, that's more enjoyable. Their speed was another clue. They were really slopping things around in a hurry and not looking where they were slopping them. More money that way. If you don't stop to think that it usually takes longer or comes out worse. But the biggest clue. Oh, motherfucker. That was your doctor speech, right? If you do the job worse and faster, it perpetuates itself because you never fix the real problem because you never fucking ask why. <laughs> so I, why? I, made, I made a little clip about that on TikTok this morning and, one, uh, and somebody commented and said, after 20 years as a clinical researcher, 
I will guarantee you that the modern medical system is bullshit, especially on the medic on the research side. Yeah. Okay. So they're calling out the research side because that's the side they know and have experienced. So we should believe them. <laughs> 20 years doing it and they're like yep yep don't fucking buy into it <laughs> we completely make my, my cousin uh is a mathematician she's fucking brilliant when you want her to fudge some shit to make your drug fly she will drill you will deliver you the number <laughs> that she's like don't any don't take any of it. don't any of it don't take it it's not we're paid to make the fucking number work. <laughs> uh, yeah, Corey had a Corey had a position with the with the hospital uh, prior to being a schedule where she just manipulated Excel numbers to make graphs look the way they needed to be. I mean, salesmen do it all the time. You probably oh. do it all the time. Like this is the numbers. We just need the graph to look happy or sad, depending on what they needed to get done. Yeah, yeah. Do you need more funding? We need it real sad. <laughs> what, what color What color do we need to do it to give people depressed? And what color do we need it to make people happy? And we may need to change the scale on this and reverse the, the axes to make it look happy instead of sad. Oh, so funny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just monkey and fucking jobs. Okay, look at it. Oh, Monkeys. Good nature, friendly, easygoing, and uninvolved. They were spectators. You had the feeling that they were just wandering in there themselves, and somebody had handed them a wrench. There was no identification with the Paid job. To play no the saying, role. I am a mechanic. I am. At 5 p.m. or whatever, their eight hours were in, you knew they would cut off and not have another thought about their work they were already trying not to have any thoughts about their work on the job in their <laughs> own way they were achieving the same thing john and sylvia were living with technology without really having any not trying to have any thoughts while at work it's so my, funny it was my co-workers <laughs> do you think about bartending didn't you play games like every fucking night like who can i get the biggest tip out of like who can i drill the fucking nastiest joke oh my god well and then that's you know like when i used to do monotonous factory work too and and like the summer when i was in high school shit like that and i was just like punching a machine i used to do math games in my fucking head yeah like i used to time how many i could do in a minute and then i would extrapolate it out to figure out how many i could do in a year if i never took a break like i was doing mental math exercises because i was so bored out of my fucking mind doing like pulling the fucking chain dum, 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 dum. <laughs> you gotta be mindful enough to not get your hands cut off but yep. at the same time yeah that's what gets you fucked up right because you just drift off into stupid shit and then you're unaware and wacko Yep, because it's not mentally stimulating. All it is is fucking repetitive bullshit. Right, right. Or like trying to find like the difference in each alike piece spitting out. Like what's different about each? Oh, like ah, oh, like because then, then you'll be like, you start to notice crazy shit. Like oh my god, that machine stamp's got a tiny fucking scratch in that fucking back corner. <laughs> I mean, I I think I counted to I think I counted to ten thousand one morning. Oh, but nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, out loud, one, two, three, four, and I just counted all the way until my break, and I think I got to ten thousand, maybe. Oh, gotta do something <laughs> in a job like that. Yeah, it's yeah. Trying oh, not it's horrible. It was absolutely horrible. <laughs> trying not to, not to be well. Well, like mechanicing's different than line working, a thing that's a repetitive thing, because mechanicing should re well. That's what he's describing, right? As parts changers versus mechanics. And that that's a big thing in the industry I just got out of was part one guy will go and throw parts at it when another guy will go and figure out what part is wrong and repair it. Instead of throwing parts at it to figure out what part's wrong, they troubleshot the issue and change the proper part the first time. The proper order of operations, right? Well, they, do, they do how it worked, and they, they had troubleshooting skills instead of, oh, well, the manual says it's probably this part, so let's find it. Oh, that didn't fix it. What else are we going to throw at it? Instead of oh actually God. going through the motion troubleshooting. 
doesn't he talk about the manuals next? Okay, okay, hang on. Yeah, yeah. I think he talks about his day job, the manuals. Oh, yeah. Fucking, yeah, I thought you were going to crack up with that. They had something to do with it, but their own selves were outside of it, detached, removed. They were involved in it, but not in such a way as to care. Not only did these mechanics not find that sheared pin, but it was clearly a mechanic who had sheared it in the first place by assembling the side cover plate improperly. I remember the previous owner had said a mechanic had told him the plate was hard to get on, but that was why. The shop manual had warned about this, but like the others, he was probably in too much of a hurry or he didn't care. While at work, I was thinking about the same lack of care in the digital computer manuals I was editing. Writing and editing technical manuals is what I do for a living the other 11 months of the year. And I knew they were full of errors, ambiguities, omissions, and information so completely screwed up that you had to read them six times to make any sense out of them. But what struck me for the first time was the agreement of these manuals with the spectator attitude I had seen in the shop. These were spectator manuals. It was built into the format of them. Implicit in every line is the idea that here is the machine, isolated in time and space from everything else in the universe. It has no relationship to you. You have no relationship to it other than to turn certain switches, maintain voltage levels, check for error conditions, and so on. That's it. The mechanics in their attitude towards the machine were really taking no different attitude from the manuals toward the machine or from the attitude I had when I brought it in there. We were all spectators. And it occurred to me. All right. All right. Hold on no manual. Yeah. So this, uh, <laughs> what he's saying with uh, being in the moment, and it's only only this glimpse of time. There's a perfect example of this in in what I just got out of. So uh, there was there was quite often times you would get a service call, you and you go and you'd show up, and it was working fine when you got there. So it was an intermittent issue. And that's the that's the bane of every service technician is intermittent issue because it's really hard to fix something that's not broken. Right, because that they finally took it for a ride, right? Like it's well, yeah. Well, right. So in my situation, there were diagnostic tools that could help you get around the fact that it's not happening at that time, especially if it was on the the computer side like the not the hydraulic side but the the operational computer logic or the um or the credit card processing or any of that all had logs well you could pull a log you had to get your computer you had to get an adapter you had to plug into it you had to put open a program so it took a it took a few minutes it was a pain in the ass is what it was but you could get the error codes that popped up on that thing from the day it was installed in date order so if somebody was saying it was doing this, you could go on there and see what errors were pulled up. So you had a glimpse of the last, you know, since the thing was was installed. So you weren't you weren't isolated in time and space. And the better technicians, the ones that fix shit, would pull that up and look at it and diagnose it as if it was if if, if it was broken at the time. And then the guys that were just like fly through and like he said, we're just there as spectators uh, would go, oh, it's working. Close call and leave. Yeah. 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 It's like, it's like, oh, my God. It drives me so fucking crazy when you take a car in and you start talking to somebody and you're realizing like, oh, Jesus fucking Christ. I'm the one diagnosing this here. <laughs> I already diagnosed it. I'm telling the guy how to do his job, but he's got a little computer and a fucking ASC certification so he can get the parts. It's it's more like, yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, here here's the steps I went through to get to where we are right this minute with me standing here in front of you because I, now I think it needs some fixing that I don't feel like doing. But this is why I think we're about to do this. So, like, make sure this logic checks all your mechanics. You know, I'll go you know, tell me where this isn't right. If there's a different part you want to change, you're still going to make money. 
let's get the right fucking part maybe the first time oh god okay here i got i think we're just at the end business of motorcycle maintenance the most important aspect of all caring about what you are doing is considered either unimportant or taken for granted on this trip we should notice it explore it a little to see if in that strange separation of what man is from what man does we may have some clues as to what the hell has gone wrong in this 20th century i don't want to hurry it that itself is a poisonous 20th century attitude when you want to hurry something that means you no longer care about it and want to get on with other things i just want to get at it slowly but carefully and thoroughly with the same attitude i remember was present just before i found that sheared pin it was the attitude that found it nothing else i suddenly noticed the land here has flattened into a euclidean plane not a hill not a bump anywhere this means we have entered the red river valley we will soon be in the dakotas dun, dun, dun. yeah fucking attitude that's it that's like yeah like we we're talking about your trailer right something goes fucking wrong there's no like well i kind of fixed it it still drips like it's your fucking house like no it's gonna get fixed it's gonna get fixed right it's gonna get like all the way figured out like why did this fucking thing break <laughs> Yeah, it was driving me nuts when I, I didn't really understand the whole solar system right when I got it installed. And so I was still working with the solar engineer that helped me design it. And I was asking him questions and I'm like, why won't it do this? Why won't it do what is going on? Why won't it fucking do this? Why is it? Why isn't it charging? He's like, well, it's got to get down to 30 percent before it charges. So you get full cycles. And I'm like, oh, so it's helping you by regulating cycle count. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, so there uh, on the Oregon group the other day, one of the people that truly went off grid uh, is buying the like, more expensive packs. I forgot what brand. Her and Patty were going back and forth. Um, and they said, because I live off grid, and the deal is when you go to the dog park or the store or the whatever, and something's fucked up and you forget about it, it will shut itself off. Yeah. <laughs> and as soon as your solar cells the sun comes back out or your windmill starts flipping again when it's right it will automatically turn the ship back on like it, i have it, i have a feature that once i hit a minimum voltage or i hit um yeah that's really the way it it calculates what i have left in but it's got a minimum voltage it just shuts the whole fucking thing off so it doesn't drain my battery to zero and if I was using if I was using uh, lead acid or deep cycle whatever, I would have that set at like sixty percent. Well, I spent the extra money on the on the life pose and uh, now go down to like twenty percent. So okay, so is that the number for those twenty? Is what he told well, me. They can go to zero, but uh, they recommend uh, not going under twenty. No, because two of those forty volt battery packs that I got for the heavy duty tools are kind of not recharging. Uh, so I those, saw those can go to zero. They're a little different chemistry. They break when they go so low. The machine that digi charger can't figure it out. So I watched wow. the video. I'm gonna take a hot, a real one, and a hot one, and make fucking jumpers. Mm -hmm. can, you connect them up, and it throws some sparks and shit, but it will equalize them. And that video said like 90% of the time that will take one of those that won't charge anymore and bump it up enough to now the charger will see it. And then, then you're back in the game. With that so battery. it dissipated even less than what it was requiring to run the machine. So usually, usually when you dissipate battery and it dies, when you're, you're like, you're running a drill, it just doesn't have enough to run the drill. It's not completely dead. 
But if it then goes below that to completely dead, then yeah, maybe the charger doesn't see the the proper voltage. That's kind of what I was getting out of it. And he's like, be really careful when you connect this last one. Like, she's going to spark, you know. (laughs) Like, you might want to do this not in your house. (laughs) I mean, you can always put a switch on the line and connect them and then flip the switch. Hey, that's a great fucking idea. Look at that. Talking to, like, a safety tech over here. I mean, I got, I got my, uh, I got the, the and... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I got a spare, I got a spare water pump that I use to transfer water and I put, uh, uh like jumper cable leads on it and I, I run it off my truck battery. With All I did was wire a toggle switch in line. So I turn the toggle switch off, hook it to the battery. Nothing happens. I come back and I stand next to it, flip the switch and it comes on and I got like 30 feet of cord so I can put it wherever I need to. Think about that. You could wire that up for some dangerous shit with like a plunger switch where you've got to hold your thumb on it, right? Anything, oh, anything lets go and it just shuts off the voltage. That That's not a horrible... Dead man switch. Yeah, yeah, dead man switch on it. Like powery power tools where you're like... <laughs> I, I had a dead man switch on a chainsaw once. <laughs> they shut the, shut the gas off if you dropped it because we were fucking around up in the trees. Right, no, that's what I'm thinking about because I climb up in the trees with that electric one all the time. It's yeah, just yeah. I have a battery, have a have a pull switch on the battery to just pulls out, just in case it starts. Uh, starts well, now that I had that one tool start on fire, yeah. Now that I'm like thinking about being in a tree with a burning chainsaw, do you drop it into the dry brush or do you fucking deal with the battery fire in the tree? <laughs> I'd probably drop it in the brush. Yeah, yeah. So you got cooked up there, and you got cooked up like as it's coming. Yeah, yeah. You hopefully you just climb high enough, like oh, it'll burn away as the wind blows. <laughs> oh, I, I, I would just drop. I'd I'd kind of drop it as far away from the tree as get my ass out of that tree and try to put the fire out on the ground. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Follow it down, smother it. Okay, good. <laughs> I wouldn't stay up there and wait for it to roast me like fucking witch at Salem. <laughs> well, it would blow away from its point of origin. In case you threw it the wrong direction, then it blew right towards you. Oh, yeah, yeah. In the panic, you're supposed to throw it the right way. You're up in the tree licking your finger going, which way is the wind blowing? Oh, chaos, chaos. Uh, yeah. All right, I got I to gotta go wash my fucking floor so I can get pictures of this thing. Yeah. The, oh, goddamn drywall. You know what? It, it, I, you know what I had, had the idea last night for you to sell that house? I would I would send that stupid motherfucker that did that job to you a case of beer and a dozen roses for his wife and be like, no harm, no fucking foul. I didn't know it was a thing for the bank. Like, seriously, you can rerun this bitch through, and I'm not even going to charge you extra. <laughs> yeah, very, uh, yeah, but the problem is uh, I got a thing for my... Uh, my realtor email yesterday was a forwarded message from theirs that, uh, yeah, he hasn't gotten the fucking check yet. Oh, for the 2G? <laughs> because he's that big of a douche, he'll just say that, and then he'll go sue me, get a judgment, come get the fucking money, and it'll be like eight years later. Oh, he'll be garnishing like seven. I mean, I got half of it locked up in earnest money, but the other check... Oh, it was. Oh, they mailed. They put it in the mail yesterday. Checks uh, in the barrel. Okay, okay. See my trying to make nice solutions and make like win, 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 win. Right. I got. A, <laughs> I got a show in next Wednesday. Yeah. No, I just thinking if you, I got. I got really a bunch of people. Energy, I got a bunch make- of people talking to me on like Facebook and stuff, asking questions. And- yeah, one, one guy can't get a loan quite yet because he's got a new new business. He opened his own business, so he's trying to get uh, like his uh, somebody in his family to get to sign on the loan for him. So he's trying to work through shit. He wants it, um, but he's he's just trying to work through getting funding because his, his income got went sideways in COVID. And he opened a business, and now he doesn't have he doesn't have documented fucking income for abortion. It's how much uh family knows i have plenty of money i make plenty of money so how much down payments he got i don't know i have no idea the bank's bank's gonna make whatever i mean it's like whatever the bank's gonna charge them for interest if they're not gonna fucking do it 
maybe take the money and write them at one point over for you know and for like dude like five-year balloon like get your shit together i get get a new business and your cash flush get the fucking shit together and you know it's a balloon it's gonna hurt if you don't <laughs> refi in the five years right That's, yeah the, i think i think we're gonna roll down to we'll roll down to srf and and see what happens in the meantime and then probably come back and start exploring other options like that and yeah talk to some like attorney type people on how to do that but so since contracts can be win-win-win seriously and you're not you're not enriching the fed right keeping one more motherfucking loan out of their hands right 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 doesn't yeah just, it takes adjustment on our end i uh Right, yeah. right. Your plan doesn't go exactly, but you know what? An actual sales contract, uh, it would be a mortgage, um, is worth like 80% of its net present value in actual cash money, like a signed mortgage for a transfer deed and or you don't transfer the deed till actually the thing's paid. Um, but the, the signed contract, if you want money, <laughs> you could just walk that into a credit union and I like, don't want any money though. I just want my money. Right. It's a different way. To, you well, money's just liquidity, right? It's just yeah. do it, it's a different way to get a different kind of tool that does the same thing. All accounting. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Just who who it. has it, who's who's gonna have it, and where is it gonna end up? It all ends up in the same fucking spot just when it gets there. Right. Yeah, yeah, when it gets there, there's going to be friction and drag just how much and when. Don't get upset about that bullshit. <laughs> You're selling it for more than you fucking bought it for, so it's a win. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We definitely keep that in mind, so. Yeah. All right, man. Go get her done. Love All right, we'll get to it. Have a great day. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.